Jamae's tattoo, update your conspiracy board, and get ready to weather the storm with us as we return to Haven. This is Trouble, the self-proclaimed number one Haven rewatch podcast. Debuting back in 2010 as a sci-fi channel original show, Haven stars Emily Rose, Lucas Bryan, and Eric Balfour as they take on a different curse every week while trying to solve the mysteries of Haven. Or Ludendorff, or Ludendorff right? Is that what it's called? Lunenburg. 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 You know. It's Don't insult the Nova Scotians, <laughs> which we found out is New Scotland, huh? Yeah, New Scotland. All right. So, like uh, every episode, we are covering, well, not every episode, we're covering this particular episode, but we are covering episode 12, Sins of the Father, the season finale of season two of Haven. Are, uh, are we just assuming everyone knows who we are? Uh, yeah, yeah, you know. Well, I, I was going to say my name is Ludendorff and you're uh, uh, Lunenberg. Those are our names. No, I was kidding. I'm uh, your first host in our father-son podcasting duo, as always, Alex French. And I'm Rich French, the French who shares Austin Powers' father's same two hatreds, people who are intolerant and the Dutch. You know, I just watched uh, So I Married an Axe Murderer the other night. Oh, yeah. Mike Did Myers like at his finest. It was funny in its day. Yeah. You know, with, with, with his, uh, <laughs> with heed. All right. So like every episode, we like to do a summary on the episode we covered, Sins of the Father. All right. So episode begins. Uh, dude's waking up in the middle of the night. A, a ghost or a, a person is waking him up being like, hey, 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 right? Right. We don't know. Uh, he's a ghost. Yeah, he's come a- on. We knew he was a ghost. The first time we watched it, we knew he was a ghost. No, but uh, all right, continue, continue. So uh, this guy named Arlo wakes up Bill and he tells Bill, hey, there's an intruder in in the house. You know, you got to come help Sheila. And, uh, you know, Bill's Bill's like stunned. He's there. And uh, so he's like, "Okay." And then uh, we we flash to. the the other house and uh arlo's in that house and he's telling sheila hey there's an intruder in the house come on downstairs and he's like no don't turn on the lights you don't want him to see you and then as they're coming down the stairs bill it breaks through the door and comes in with his handgun drawn and then arlo and her reach the bottom and arlo turns his back to bill puts his hands up like he's choking sheila bill fires off three shots into arlo but they go right through Arlo straight into Sheila, and she crumples to the ground dead. Uh, Audrey's on her way to the Haven Herald is where we go to next. Uh, she's trying to walk in, but Duke shows up. He's like, hey, we need to talk about, you know, the uh, I'm supposed to kill you, like, whole situation. And Audrey's kind of, like, not really yeah. having the conversation, right? Yeah, she's she, she's like, she's like, we'll figure it out, you know, because she's got business clearly at the Herald. Yeah. So she, like, goes in there. Pulls up uh, the picture of Dave fishing from when he was younger, compares it to the photo of Dave with, uh, was it Lucy or Sarah? Sarah. Sarah. In the photo and is like, you know, what the fuck? You knew me. Why didn't you guys tell me anything? Like, which is what, you know, we've all been dying for someone to do this entire fucking series. She's like, stop the lies. Tell me what's going on. And, you know, Vince is still like, eh, I don't know. Well, well it, it's Dave. Dave. Dave is the Dave's being oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dave's yeah, like right, uh, right. yeah. And then Vin, and Vince is like, she already knows it's time to just tell her. And he's like, Vince. So Vince tells her, hey, you, you were Lucy before. And then you were Sarah before that. We don't know he, who before that. 
we don't know who before that. There's a lot we don't know, like where she goes between the troubles and Dave's pipes in. Yeah, you know, you always look the same, but each time you have a different person memories when you return. And then Vince says, uh, but the one thing that's always constant, you always help the troubled. And then he gives her, she asks who Agent Howard is. They say they don't know. And then Vince gives her a ring that looks looks like a wedding ring to me that belonged to Sarah. Right. And then she gets a text from Nathan. There's a homicide. She's got to go investigate. She heads out. And then, uh, you know, Vince, Dave and Vince Bicker and Vince says he's uh, he, she needs his help. And he he's not letting him get in his way this time. Right. Meanwhile, Duke wakes up on his boat, hungover, blah, 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 his usual morning routine uh, to see a ghost of his own. His father's ghost is there being like, hey, we need to talk. His dad's like, hey, you found my box. Like, cool. Like, let's uh, you're going to get into the family business, basically. And Duke's, you know, pretty. uh, No, fuck you. You know, like, I don't I don't want to follow in your footsteps. I'm not about you. You're an asshole. Like, forget this. And he also goes on to tell him what, you know, basically what the Crocker family uh, curses or trouble, you know, that he was out saving people and he, how he did that was by killing them, which removes <laughs> the curse from everyone yeah. in the family. So he was saving people by killing people. And he Classic. says, that's, you know, and, and Duke's like, yeah, but you got to kill somebody to do it. Right. And he's not interested. Meanwhile, Audrey reteams up with Nathan. He's busting her balls about where she's been. Uh, she's not really in the mood, though. Uh, they're here to investigate. They kind of lay out the ghost murder situation from earlier. They need to look into stuff. Uh, Nathan's kind of, you know, trying to tell, like, hey, you know, like they want to talk about their relationship situation, but she's like, yeah, we'll talk about it over dinner, you know, or breakfast. Nathan's like, right. Oh, oh. What, what did she, what did she, what did she say she'll make him? She said she would make him waffles no i'm just kidding it was pancakes it was pancakes of course it was <laughs> of course it was and one key thing about the scene is that uh neighbors actually saw after the shots they saw arlo leaving so there's something to this dead people thing right 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 so they go to a cemetery uh to check it out right exactly so they go there and they run into kyle hopkins who's a grave digger and he quickly throws away his joint but that's how they get him right they're like tell us he's like fuck you i'm a i'm a rev boy you know i'm one of the followers of the revs and like well we'll bust you for wheat and he's like all right i'll talk yeah you you killed the finest man in haven oh i'll get him yeah (laughs) (laughs) so they dig him up and it turns out arlo is still deceased in the grave and then nathan gets another call we got a second murder the guy who killed somebody because his sister told him to. Right. His dead sister came to him. Uh, basically, it was like, was it? Uh, she was raped, and then he, uh, like, yeah. attacked the guy. It sounds like he tortured him. Yeah, it does. So, yeah, Annie's sister, uh, Annie's brother, uh, she, Annie told her brother that Kurt raped her, and then, uh, you know, he killed him. And uh, Audrey and Nathan ask, ask uh, you know, did he confirm it? And he said, <laughs> eventually. Right. So then we kind of cut back to Simon and Duke are doing a, you know, doing a tour of Haven. They're in a field where uh, Simon's trying to prove a point to Duke was that this field is where a bunch of kids died because a girl's trouble activated while she was listening to a campfire story. And Simon had a chance to, like, free her family of the trouble, but he pushed out and a ton of innocent people died. And he appeals to him saying, hey, didn't you know someone who died because of the trouble people flashed to Evie? I mean, the flash didn't literally happen, but that's what, you know, he's trying to get get at. Uh, that right uh, feel guilty about Evie dying because it's related to the troubled people uh, wouldn't you do anything to stop that that's what we do blah 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 trying to guilt Duke into doing his dirty work 
back at the cemetery, Nathan is warning Audrey not to trust Duke. He explains right. why. Because when Duke first came back to town, they tried to pal up, go fishing. Turns out it was Duke was just trying to use him as cover with the Coast Guard for his smuggling. They got in a serious fight and their words beat on each other for an hour when Nathan realized he could no longer feel it. So Duke triggered Nathan's trouble. And then Duke's and then Nathan sees a bunch of a bunch of people in the cemetery that Audrey cannot see. Oh, and then right. and then after that, freaking Duke comes up and uh Duke's Duke's burying the the weapons box at his uh, father's grave and then all of a sudden they notice, "Oh my god, there's Chief Warnos." So Duke du- du- So Nathan goes over to have a conversation with his dad. Uh, and basically, you know, they're playing their kind of same old game. Chief is cryptic. Nathan's overly critical of the dad. And the dad's basically like, hey, dude, I, you know, I've been back for like five seconds. You're already getting on my ass, like lay off. And so they are kind of talking. Chief's happy that Audrey killed the Rev. And Very uh, happy. Yeah. <laughs> and basically the conversation boils down to, hey, dude, you can't be in love with Audrey. Like you need to drop that. And you got to protect her. She's too important. You got to protect her. And that's the whole the, the whole spiel right there. Right. Point. She's too important for you guys to have feelings for each other because that'll interfere with shit. So you got to protect her. Uh, and Nathan being like, yeah, fuck you. You wasted your time. So while Nathan's talking to the chief, Audrey and Duke decide to go look for uh, Mr. Gravedigger. But Audrey wants to make a stop first, right? Right. So as they're driving to Kyle's house, they notice that she notices there's some red X's circled uh, in front of houses uh, she's seen around town. So she stops at the next one, has Duke stop and she gets out and she looks and she sees uh, a pocketbook and a bunch of stuff on the ground like, you know, like there was a struggle. And uh, while she's looking at that, Duke sees the Rev walk right up to him. So Duke tells Audrey, why don't you go inside the house and check it out? And I'll stay out here for lookout. And while they're out there, the Rev basically threatens Duke. He say, you come with me or I'll, I'll make um, Audrey, the, you know, the source of, you know, the right, recipient I'm gonna, I'm gonna, of my revenge. Yeah. He's going to fuck up Audrey. So Duke leaves with him. Uh, Audrey, you know, it kind of transitions weirdly to Nathan and Audrey back together. And Nathan's like, I can't believe he left you. They finally get to the grave digger's house, but he's gone. But the wife is there and she's leaving uh, his pregnant wife, I should mention. And uh, as Nathan's about to like, you know, do the cop spiel, Audrey's like, yeah, hold up, hold up, hold up. Cause she notices that there's some red, reddish, orangish, whatever paint on her fingers. And Audrey pretends to just be like a tourist that doesn't know anything. And then they follow her. Right. And so they follow her into the forest where they eventually, she leads them to like a kind of shed barn area. Right. Like where, uh, all the res followers are taking people out of vans and trucks and stuff that they've been kidnapping. They're re rechloroforming them to knock them out mm-hmm. and kind of dumping them in there. And Rev's ghost kind of saunters up to be like, Hey, it looks good. Yeah, exactly. And then Duke comes up as well. And uh, that's when Audrey's like, what the fuck? Right. Yeah. And then Duke, Duke, Duke and Rev have their exchange. Duke, Duke's like, what's going on? The Rev's like, he's like, yeah, you know, the, or doing you know whatever his doing the Lord's work thing, an old fashioned Holocaust, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, a little uh, a little game of genocide. But uh, Duke's not really interested in it, and doesn't you know because they're basically telling him, hey, you can you can save him, and then all of a sudden, uh, our our boy Kyle and another of the henchmen come up behind Duke and I uh, come up behind Audrey and Nathan with guns and disarm them and then take them over in by the, by the little house shed 
right the ref and we get like a little standoff where basically everything's in the hands of duke as uh simon crocker's ghost show up and he's like hey you got to do this shit to save all the rest of the families basically and rev's like nah you know you just got to do it to kill him because fuck him right and uh <laughs> yeah i mean yeah nathan's like rev i remember when you preach forgiveness and rev's like i'm fresh out of forgiveness right uh, and uh the chief the the chief everybody makes an appearance here chief's ghost there is there too uh you know duke's got the knife but he doesn't want to use it he's kind of like contemplating it and then uh oh that's right that's right they reveal that the gravedigger is the one who uh it's his trouble that's bringing the ghosts around right it's like oh shit you're the one that's bringing all the ghosts around he's like oh i'm so disgusted like kill me and duke's like what the fuck like yeah his uh, his wife turns her back on her the rev says he can't help only duke can help him duke wants no part of it and then you know and, and all this is going on simon's giving duke the play-by-play this is how they always beg and they plead and all of a sudden before you know it kyle thrusts himself on duke's uh dagger and you know starts yeah killing himself and the blood of course gets on duke he goes through the quickening and then we have some conversations with some big stuff between simon and the chief hey i know you helped her kill me chief no she beat me to it things like that basically simon saying you won't stop my boy chief is like i got my own boy too and uh you know and as they fade away as kyle is dying chief just looks at nathan and says just take care of our girl okay Right, and Audrey arrests everybody. <laughs> yeah, somehow and, she got disarmed everybody and arrested them. Right, and uh, uh, Kyle the Gravedigger is like, oh, at least my son is free of the curse, and the wife's like, oh, my God, I can't, yeah, he's actually dead. Uh, that all kind of resolves itself. Meanwhile, at the Herald, Vince and Dave finally are, you know, fucking done with each other. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Dave was like, uh, yeah, I saw, heard the chief was back, and so he's like, he goes, I came looking for explanation. And then he sees the cooler and he kicks it. He goes, hey, I think I found it. And then Vince is like, he's like, hey, I had Kyle dig up the chief. We need him back. Dave's like, no, we don't. And uh, Vince is like, it's different this time. She's different this time. But Dave won't have it. And he just storms off. So the battle begins between the brothers. Right. Meanwhile, Audrey is back at the gray goal. She's waiting for her and Nathan's date. She's getting it all set up. She, someone knocks at the door. They're early. She opens the door. She gets tased. She's gone. Nathan finds the scene of the crime. Clearly, she's been taken. He rushes. He finds uh, Duke's uh, necklace, whistle? whatever. Yeah, his uh, five whistle or whatever yeah. they call it. Yeah. So he rushes to the boat. Is like, where the fuck is she? Duke's like, whoa, whoa, chill out. I don't know what you're talking about. Why would I take her? And Nathan's like, yeah, fuck. I'm not fucking having any of that. Knocks him to the ground. They get in a fight. He puts a gun in Duke's face. Duke's trying to get a gun from under the table. And that's when Nathan sees, I'm sorry, that's when Duke sees the tattoo on Nathan's arm. Is like, oh, shit, this guy's got a tattoo on his arm. And then uh, we kind of pull out and hear a gunshot. And that is the season finale of Haven season two. Even though we still have a Christmas special coming up. Yeah. It's a one-off <laughs> thing. Yeah. So, but there is the uh, conclusion to season two. Uh, let's talk ratings. What did you think of the episode? Well, uh, I really liked this episode and thought the writing was well done and the acting was even better for the most part. I mean, we get the rev back, we get the chief back. I mean, and all, you know, that that's great. I really love the stuff with the Teagues and the complexity of, you know, and the theme of the complexity of relationships between sons and fathers, because you can even see the rev as a father figure for, for people yeah. in the town as well. So I, I like, so I really like that. I love, love the, for once, I love the name and, you know, not once, but 
you know, there, there wasn't much I didn't like about the episode, and they definitely provided uh, some cliffhangers to hold our interest for season three. I would have to rank it as one of the better episodes of the two seasons. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I come down with a rating of nine on the Frenchometer. I, I would agree. I give it a nine. Um, it's all pretty good stuff. Basically, you know, all the ghost shit is good. Uh, and my only kind of gripe is we're a little, I don't know. There are a little, there's a couple scenes where I feel like they could have been either combined or like gotten rid of. So we could, uh, dive deeper into some of the scenes we had like i don't know the scene of i mean there's like good stuff so it's hard to complain but like the orange you know our orangey red x's on people's houses doesn't really i mean it comes into play because you know that's where they kidnapped them but it's i don't know i feel like a lot more could have been done with that whole plot element but it's just kind of yeah i think they just threw threw that together so they had an excuse to get duke with the rev I mean, I feel like, though, it's a – yeah, my complaint just is that I think has a lot of potential as, like, a storytelling thing, right? Like, uh, you remember The Village, the M. Night Shyamalan movie, where uh, people that the monster was going to get next, their doors would be, like, marked or whatever. Uh, So it's just cool. Like, when you see yours, you're like, oh, fuck, you know? So I think there could have been a lot cooler stuff done with that, like, element. Like, maybe it should have been presented – I feel like that was something that should have been presented in an earlier episode. Like, maybe – beginning to middle of the season like middle of the season mm. when rev's campaign was revving up ah, I saw, uh, <laughs> they you know you they could be finding these like little whatever like a symbol on people's like houses or doors and be like what the fuck are these and at the end you realize mm. this is the targets of his list uh I mean, well exactly wouldn't, yeah wouldn't be too hard to figure out and it's like oh it's all troubled people that have these but yeah that's what i mean yeah, Rev's revved up attack van. He's cruising around town, painting these on there, and uh, right. you know Kyle's out there with his, you know, his, his uh, Microsoft Word uh, ninety four uh, window, you know, uh, spread uh, Word document. But you know, well, let's talk about that list real quick. Did you notice two names? They forgot to put a. They forgot to put enter between two names. Yeah. Yeah. Louis yeah. uh Pufal and Bruce Zwicker. Z- Zwicker, yeah. Some fucking the same damn PA. Uh yeah. I did like what Eric Balfour had to say in the commentary about the list though. I thought I was thinking the same thing where he's like these fucking printed lists. You know, he's like if I want like a paper list, I want it written like in cursive on like parchment with like some of the like some of the edges burned away. Right, right. Yeah, I do remember that now. That, that and, Emily, was and Emily Rose is like, oh, yeah, I used to. That's how I used to turn in my papers in high school, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. And uh, so what, what, since we're on the list, we want to talk about the names we recognized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, you found more that you recognized than, well, you had four, I had three, but I think some of mine you didn't have and some years I didn't have. So, yeah. So you had Nikki Coleman and Marion Caldwell that I didn't have. And, and uh, yeah, yeah. That, and I'm mad at myself. I should remember Marion. She's way back from uh, the, the pilot. And, right. Nikki is the one that would spread the disease in the police station. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The, 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 the yeah. coffee cup plucker. Yeah. Right, right. And who are the other names on the list that you recognize? Okay. So Landon Taylor from Fur. Oh, that's right. I was like, Landon Taylor, that seems familiar. I was like, I'm probably just making, pulling that out of nowhere. He's not a real boy, but yeah. uh, he, he is our boy. And then Beatrice Mitchell, who, yep. you know, she's our siren. And then uh, recognized Lu- her. Louis Buffel, he's our love machine. And then my last one, I think you <laughs> knew my last one, Gareth Roberts, right? So, oh, no, who's Gareth Roberts? Isn't, isn't Gareth our Flash? 
No, that's no. that's James Garrick. James Garrick. Okay, well, I lost that one. You are <laughs> I feel like highlighted a, Gareth Roberts. I think there's a TV screenwriter named Gareth Roberts or like a showrunner named Gareth Roberts. Not for Haven, but on something else I want to say. I want to say something British, but I might be pulling that out of my ass or maybe like Arrow or something. Um, it always comes back to Arrow. We haven't mentioned it in a couple episodes, so I thought it but, was... I was right. He's a British television writer. Boom. Yeah. For Doctor Who. That's where I know the name. Well, and then I was wondering, I was looking at the list and I see, I see Mark Dumphy and I wonder if he's any relation to Phil Dumphy from Modern Family and maybe there's some troubles, you know, in Modern Family as well. Yeah. And 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 then I was looking at this, uh, the one in the, the second column, Nick Bevan-John. Is yeah, that, is, it, is, that, is that a hyphenated name or is that maybe, John's maybe, assigned to kill Nick Bevan? I know. I was thinking maybe like his name is Nick Bevan, but he goes by John. Oh, like the, you know, like, like the captain, you know, well, like, Hey, my sure. name is, my name is Bob, whatever, but, but just, just call me the captain. Wasn't his name like, no, it wasn't Lance or something. Anyway. You know, who's not on the list, Jill Campbell. Joe Campbell wasn't troubled. He got killed by a troubled. The person who killed him is on the list. The Rev is looking for justice <clears throat> for us, okay, for Joe Campbell. Taking yeah, this world too soon. The, the tourism board is very upset that we lost old Joe. Yeah. And uh, But good news is Dave has an enterprise that will pick up Joe Slack. Let's talk about like big points of the episodes. There's like a bunch of stuff that I liked. My favorite parts was I think I can speak. For, I think I speak for almost all of us when the best part of the episode is probably when the chief comes back, right? Like that scene is. Like, that, that is off. That's off the charts. Off the pro- charts. It's probably my favorite scene of season two, uh, mm. period. I don't know. I can't think of another scene I like more than that one in season two. Oh, God. Nick Campbell is just amazing in it he is hilarious yeah. and, and he's so consistent with it with his character i mean it's i i just think i mean and you know i'm gonna give the writers credit they wrote some some really some really funny stuff in, in there i mean yeah i mean yeah i liked i liked all he brought so many things there right he brought you know the chief's kind of combative nature the chief's like mystery the chief's obstinance the chief's humor the chief like uh I don't know, some like melancholy, you know, even though it was like a line to throw him off his, I miss the rain on my face line is still like, uh, I don't know. It was just like a nice little like thing of like, oh yeah, he's dead. You know, he doesn't get these things. Even if he is just trying to, you know, put off Nathan and not tell him the truth about what he's really feeling. Uh, still like a perfect line. Yeah. I, I thought that, I thought that was excellent. And then I also like, uh, like I said, I love when he's, uh, you know, he's like, Hey, what'd you tell him about my death? And he's like, uh, you know, lost at sea. And he kind of nods his head like, okay, yeah, that's right. And then I love it when he's like, uh, you know, he's like, uh, so what, what'd you do with the body? He's like, why? Oh, well, cause he's like, I picked you up and put you in a cooler and buried you on goose Hill. And he's like, he's like, which cooler? And you're like the blue one. Ah, it's a waste of a good cooler. I, I mean, that was just that's classic. Uh, that's classic Campbell as chief. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and as he does all that funny shit, though, he gets back to the re- hey, you can't be in love with her. She's too important. Protect her. So yeah, yeah. I think uh, it was it was interesting, like seeing a character missing an old friend that you didn't realize you missed. You were like, oh yeah, like I miss the chief in the show. 
makes it made me kind of realize when I didn't really think I would, I didn't really think about it. It was like, Oh yeah, chief's gone. Uh, you know, whatever, you know, we got to move on and that I was like, damn, like, okay, I miss the chief, even though he was a fucking prick. And you know, the main episodes when he wouldn't tell a shit. Yeah. Like he, we would, he, we'd never he, get anything from him. Yeah. You so, know, cause Nathan even calls him out for that. When he, when he's like, Hey, uh, you, <laughs> you knew Lucy and worked with Lucy. Why'd you tell me? And it's like, uh, that's the first thing you're going to ask me. Oh no, no. He goes like, yeah. Imagine how that conversation would go. But I would, yeah. I was like, ah, no, I don't think that's a good enough excuse. Like, imagine how the conversation of you knew was is going like now. Yeah, that was. Uh... But yeah, as he was getting mad, then he's like, yeah, I'm not even back. What, like five minutes and you're on my back already. And Nathan's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> so defensive. Yeah, I mean, I love how he cheered, basically cheered for uh, Audrey shooting the rev. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he would, you know, and then while we're at it, you know, I thought McCaddy was his usual awesome self. And uh, I was a little, I don't know, I won't say disappointed in the Rev, but I wasn't over, I wasn't, I was, I was firmly whelmed, not underwhelmed, not overwhelmed, just. You know, now that you say that, I I think he was a little more toned down than he usually is. It wasn't quite as fiery, I guess. You're right. Besides the I'm all out of forgiveness, whatever line, that was great. But other than that, I felt like he was a bit, I feel like he was a bit wasted this season, this, uh, sorry, this episode, not this season, this not episode. Season. Yeah. And wasted as in not used properly, not intoxicated. Although a drunk rev ghost would be pretty cool. Oh, and you know, well, I like, I like, like I said, I like most of the writing on the episode, but uh, you know, I really like the opening sequence, the way Ernst and Dunn wrote that. How, you know, how I thought that was really clever of Arlo to get his revenge. Like, uh, you know, because basically, you watched, you, you guys watched the episode, you know, that Bill was stooping, uh Sheila. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, get him to come over and then get him to basically shoot through him and kill her. I thought that was pretty clever, pretty clever device. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's, Let's talk about our three major ghost characters, though. So we just talked about the chief. We're talking about the rev for a minute. Now let's let's jump to Simon. Yeah, yeah. Let's start. So I I actually like the scene with uh, where where Simon's explaining the Crocker family curse the Duke. I think it's very interesting. I like the thought of setting it up as you know, like Duke, like is like a haven vampire hunter. Just it's he's replacing <laughs> the vampires with the troubled. So. So him and Abraham Lincoln are out, you know, hunting together. Wow, uh, yeah, that's uh, the the Crocker fan, Crockers were used to be a presidential aide before coming to Haven. Yeah, see, <laughs> I like that, you know. And, and then from a buggy, they moved up to you know, like a like a Pontiac GTO or something. Or, you know. Yeah, instead of a shotgun axe, whatever, they have a throwing stars now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the uh, yeah the creators thought you know uh, really throwing star who kills someone with I mean, a throwing I, star. I was pretty happy with Ernst. Uh, so for our commentaries this episode to clear clarify, uh, we have one commentary from Sam Ernst and Jim Dunn, the guys who wrote and are the showrunners, and then our second commentary was from our lead stars, so Emily Rose, Lucas Bryant, and Eric Balfour. Yeah. So uh, before but- we. Uh, before well, we leave Arlo really quickly. Hey, when they unearthed Arlo, didn't the corpse look like Governor Cuomo? Looked just like Governor Cuomo to me. I don't know that I saw the Cuomo thing, but I thought the like uh, body in the coffin was pretty good. It was a pretty good like uh, I don't know zombie figure 
Like, the effects? Yeah, no, I thought the effects were good. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have... A, I, like, I, don't, I don't know if I saw Cuomo, but definitely uh, was a pretty uh, scary-looking body. Did it look realistic? Do you think that's what it looked like? What, the body? I thought it... Yeah. I mean, it looked cool. I don't know. Is that what bodies would look like at that stage? Uh, it, it kind of implied it was fairly recent. So, you know, it was... Probably. I, I, it could. Yeah. Uh, I gave up my ghoul, my ghoul hobby just because, you know, you gave up grave robbing. Yeah. It's just, you know, all the good ones have been robbed. So <laughs> no, Podcasting's I'm trying, really been cutting into it. Yeah, yeah. I don't have as much time because I've been really wanting to try to do a steal the dead sea scrolls, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, should we check out your other podcast as, uh, as a, uh, much ado about necrophilia or something. Mm. <laughs> that is that, that's such rich ter- territory right there. I mean, you know, and if what you know, you could have segments on animal necrophilia, you know. the ultimate niche. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, Your Honor, I didn't know the cat was dead. Back to Simon. How, how did you think? Of, what did you think about the casting of Simon Crocker? So he's a pretty young guy. Uh, I don't remember the actor's name. He was on Battlestar Galactica, I guess, which is kind of why they brought him on. They were a fan of him from that. Yeah, they're a very big fan. And it's and it's a very good show. So I, you know, I, I, I could totally see them geeking out on that because uh, I, I started it and just it was just daunting to, to, to finish the whole thing. But uh, he, I just for whatever reason, I did not think that's what Simon Crocker would look like. Not one percent. None of that looked right. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, you know, burly model type really that's uh, yeah i you know i was imagining he's supposed to be a seaman i was expecting to be crusty with like a little grizzled semi-gray beer i know it was 27 years ago so i know he wasn't gonna you know look like he was 80 but well let's let's all right so these conversations tie into each other let's talk about duke's dad's timeline okay so he hasn't seen his dad his dad died so Here's what I'm struggling with is the timeline of Simon Crocker. Let's like walk through this. Okay. So uh, Simon Crocker is a troubled hunter, right? Yep. Hunting troubled people. He's got young Duke. So apparently while he's off being like commando badass, he's pretty jacked. He's also coming home and just tearing, you know, just tearing through bottle after bottle and having, sending out Duke to buy him alcohol. Right. Right, and like, to patch him up after all of his battles, and uh, right, and also is you know is a sailor also I guess sometimes part time. I'm not really sure on that. Like like you know, yeah, he's a boat. He's been a boat owner, so he's I mean, so his non troubled uh, gig is you know sailor of some variety. It's probably probably the same thing Duke Duke does. And he right? obviously had many ships because he sold. You know, the the way they reference is like, oh, the last ship he sold was such and such, and then find out the Cape Rouge was actually the last one. So it sounds like. He had a ton of boats. And if I remember correctly, in Harmony, the third episode of season one, there's reference to some, one of his dad's boats or something like that. He was trying like so, or something that had to do with his dad or something that washed up. And that's kind of why he went with them for a bit in Harmony. He was looking for. Oh, no, no. I, I think that was actually a suggestion I made. Never mind. That's yeah, not right. That, that was the suggestion <laughs> you made. You know, we might as well put that into the main series canon at this no. point, because uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty gold storytelling. <laughs> no, because so, so, yeah, you know, take that away. Take that away. Uh, <laughs> he, he basically painted it. He painted it as, oh, I just want to know if the troubles return. That's right. That's right. right. Any, anyway. But, but I think there was something mentioned to his dad for how he found where the boat was. The, the, yeah, yeah. That, I think that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so 
we also have to kind of rethink how old we think Duke is because we thought he was like 30. So now he has to be like at least 32. Like uh, that's what that's exactly what I pegged him. I pegged him that for our Patreon episode. Actually. Uh, so I would say, all right, so he's like 32, 33. Last time he saw his dad was when he was six. Uh, and, and so here's where it gets confusing for me. Last time you would have seen his dad was when he was like six, right? Right. Uh, and his dad on his deathbed said, you know, you need to come back to Haven if the troubles ever return. Yeah, but, and a six-year-old would be able to handle that type of conversation and understand it. But what would he? Why would he be saying you need to come back? You know what I mean? If he lives in Haven as a six-year-old, and he has to be in Haven because he's there for the Colorado kid photo, so he also has a babysitter uh, during that time. Yeah, uh, Audrey Park. Uh, excuse me, <laughs> Lucy Ripley. <laughs> well, no, One of the I, same. Vanessa was his like babysitter. Oh, and he's just in the picture with. He's just uh, in the picture Lucy. holding Lucy's hand. That's right, yeah. Vanessa. Oh, and they don't, poor Vanessa. Poor yeah. Vanessa. And they, he doesn't have a memory of that day. But also, when they were that age, Nathan's trouble activated. Like, you know, when, you know, uh, like, because wasn't Nathan like five, six or seven or something when he had the sledding accident? And that's when he discovered his trouble originally? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it's just kind of like, uh, I don't, I just don't understand, like, what... And the way Duke has always talked about him doesn't make it sound like he hasn't seen his dad for 27. Oh, and then the other thing, the Cape Rouge, he sold that boat 27 years ago and the guy held on to it for uh, 17 years and then and, te- and then lost the poker game to Duke. Like, 10 yeah, that's years ago. one hell of a long time to execute a plan. Yeah, yeah that, it's just like I imagined I imagined Simon died like 10 or 12 years ago. And, you know, when Duke was first leaving. You know what I mean? When Duke was kind of like, you know, fresh, you know, like 19 or whatever. I mean, I, I can imagine Duke didn't finish high school either. So maybe like when Duke's like 17 or something, he's like, I'm fucking out of here. And, then, you know, and then he comes back and he's like 18 or 19 dads on his deathbed is like, hey, I know you're off doing your thing, but like you need to fucking come back if the troubles come back. And Duke's like, fuck you. Right. And then Simon, you know, orchestrates the Cape Rouge to come to Duke in a couple of years. Yeah, uh, that's kind of how I imagined it. Because, like, the way he's like, yeah, my deadbeat dad, it's like, well, like, your dad died a long time. And I understand, obviously, that trauma will always be there, but it's like. Yeah, and, well, and the one thing is, it's always, you know, they've been they've been pushing that uh, Simon was killed by one of the troubled. So for him to be killed from one of the troubled, it has to happen during the time of the troubles. So they probably should have explained the story a little, you know, well, also, a little and differently. We hear literally that it was, wasn't it Lucy that killed him? Like, yeah. that's what, you know, his ghost is saying is like, yeah, he, uh, Sarah killed your grandpa. Lucy killed me. Audrey's going to kill you. Gonna kill you. And right. then the chief's like, no, not if my son gets to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I Don't count us too. out. <laughs> and he's a good one. Yeah, he's like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You're sleeping on the Warnos family. Hey, my son could kill your son in a fight. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of, I, I really did kind of like that, though, that, you know, the old father pride there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like the chief's bravado of like, hey. Don't count on my son. In fact, he's going to try to do it at the end of this episode. Even though his biological father is Max Hansen, but uh, I'm the one who raised him. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even consider Max in the conversation. Not uh, not at all. No. Uh, but uh, so I don't know. Simon just didn't. And I and the writers even mentioned it in the commentary where they're like, yeah, does it 
logically make the most sense for him to look like this like not really but you know we thought like the emotion overrode and i i agree as like a storyteller sometimes the emotion has to come you know you sometimes have to sacrifice a little logic for emotion but i don't think this guy was simon crocker at all not at all he, he did not look like he'd been on a boat before that uh before that scene yeah and- put a beard on him put some scars on him this is also a dude who gets into fights all the time um who's getting you know that you know like you were saying duke is like i had to patch him up uh and also living uh, (laughs) i mean i'm not but like you know people that live as alcoholics you age harder you know what i mean like you Mm -hmm. don't look as nice when you're drinking that hard all the time like people that i went to high school look like with that are alcoholics now look like like shit they look disheveled they look like 10 15 years older than they really are because it's hard on your body living like that and this guy looks like (laughs) at first i thought it was luke evans uh from immortals with uh with the guy who played rev stephen mccaddy they were both in immortals Uh, he played zeus in immortals uh at first i thought it was him i was like what the did they pull luke evans i was like this guy was a movie star at this point he's like in immortals and soon to be fast and furious and i was like no it's not him it's some other guy but also very modelish you know yeah, yeah, I'm just with you. It's just he, he he didn't look like a sailor in any way, shape, or form. I mean, yeah. And I imagine and I li- some grace and like you know some pep, some salt and pepper in the hair is what I needed. Yeah, yeah I liked you know I mean I, I I liked his acting even though it wasn't re- really him. I mean I really liked the way that they wrote the scene in the field, like you yeah. know making you know that that's a that's a really persuasive argument to make that hey if I'd killed the grandfather. I could, yeah, I could have saved all of these children. You can do things like that yourself. Yeah. So, but I don't know. For some reason, I always thought that the troubles were passed passed down kind of by gender. I don't, you know, I always oh, thought I like father to son, mother to daughter. But I don't think so. I think that's just what we've been. Um, I think that's just kind of the way it's like shook out. But I, I feel like that. I feel like that's not an established rule. You know. Yeah, and that's what I thought. I because I, I started like just thinking back, and I'm like, well, you know, I I can't say that that's really been been like you said an established rule. But I guess it's just kind of it's just kind of seen how how it is. So yeah, we need like a statistics person to break it down for us. How many you know? What's the gender breakdown from? Is it you know how many troubled people are getting it from? Like you know what we see from a mother father to a well, you know, so like in Garrick passes down from him to his son, not his daughter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying that it seems to be from the gender, you know, it seems to be gendered, but uh, it doesn't seem like we have any rules on that as much as we're seeing a trend of that. And that might, and I think that's more just on the writing end, you know what I mean? Where it's mm-hmm. like, uh, I think uh, they're just like going with like, oh, mother to son, I'm sorry, father to son, mother to daughter, you know, rather than mixing it up a bit. But I'm sure we could pull an example either from the past or in the future soon. Uh, yeah, so Simon, uh, for the scene, uh, that field was really nice. I thought that was a great like location. And in the commentary, they mentioned, oh, yeah, this lavender was just there. And I was like, oh, this seems so intentional. I thought this was like, you know, they planted lavender over this field as a tribute to all the kids that died here. I thought it was like something they really planned. And then the Ernst <laughs> and Denver were like, oh, I'm glad they picked out this field. That was pretty convenient, like that it looked so nice. I was like, oh, OK, like uh, happy coincidences, you know. Happy yeah. little trees. You wouldn't know that it was uh, just some coincidence. I was like, wow, it was a cool scene. Yeah, it, it, it was. Like I said, I'd mentioned I'd, I'd really, really like that. Yeah. So, like, I, I agree with you that I think the actor did a good job, but it just he's not Simon Crocker. Not, and that's nope. kind of the it's like he's doing a good job with what he's trying to do. 
I just think they miscalculated hard uh, on on the dad. Because when you see him, you're like, I was like, are they the same age? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, when I see him, I was just like, really? Yeah. <laughs> kind of takes me back to Seth Meyers and Amy Poehler. Really? <laughs> Speaking of, so I married an axe murder. I was like, is so are we just going to have Duke play, you know, we're just going to have Eric Balfour should just play his dad, like at this point, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but yeah, with a Scottish just, accent. <laughs> yeah, just, just CGI off, put a full beard on him, you know, and tuck his hair back. And uh, yeah. I was like, Simon Crocker is for sure a beard guy. Like, for sure yeah. a beard guy. Uh, yeah. That that's God. So yeah, that that's maybe one of my also. It faded over time of the episode, but when I initially saw him, I was like, oh, like no, 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 no. That's not Simon. Yeah, I mean, give him a different role. I know you. I, yeah, I know, yeah. I know you guys. They love him, and that's cool. You know, I, I'm trying to think. I remember him from Battlestar, but no, no bueno on that. So yeah, so and like I said, it just brings up so many questions to me about the timeline once again of like like what's going on with simon's like you know simon and duke like and if this was the plan all along you guys certainly didn't tell it correctly because i'm also so confused about nathan's troubled timeline as we have been through the whole podcast where now i'm like what the fuck you know like so you had this trouble in high school but not as an adult like (laughs) Okay, so yeah, I mean the troubles were in '83, so they should have ended sometime, you know, maybe yeah. like eighty by '84, '85 at the latest, you know. But but basically they come back, you know, and he's like, I haven't felt a touch in years. I, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't like. Okay, so like let's let's just let's be on the generous side and say how long? I don't know how long do you think? Uh, it's just inconsistent, right? Because the way he acts when Audrey touches him, like. Uh, it's like, holy shit, you know, it's supposed to be this big moment, but if he's only had his trouble for like, let's say at most four years, that's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it's not yeah. a big deal, but it's not that crazy as much as a man who hasn't felt touched since he was like seven. Right. Yeah. So I, I mean, and, and then how many times have we talked about the chief's freaking timeline? I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, mean, I don't know that he's a rookie cop in 1975 and 83 at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I'm a slow learner, but I never give yeah. up. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I was a rookie cop right after Vietnam. I'm like, okay. And a rookie cop when the troubles came around. Um, oh, I got years. it. I got it. He missed the flight out of Han- Hanoi and he kept fighting the war to like 81. <laughs> okay, it's <Yeah>. Rambo. <laughs> yeah. they flew him back, you. right? <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, with Nathan, I was because I swear maybe I should go back and watch. Oh, god, no, I can't. I was like, maybe I should go back and watch Butterfly again, but that's like my least favorite <laughs> yeah. episode of season one. But I swear he was like, he couldn't feel things in high school. Maybe I'm misremembering. Because he had these questions of could he do it? I don't. I guess that's a valid question. Like now, because uh, I, I, I guess that I, I guess that reinforces it. The sex episode, mm-hmm. or sex, sexapode. No, that doesn't the work. The sexapode. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to combine the words, but it's not really working. In that one, he's like unclear if he can have sex, and I guess if he could have sex, and then the trouble reactivated a couple years ago, and he's unsure now. I guess that. I guess that actually maybe reinforces this timeline versus what we originally thought i i um, yeah I, I still don't i still don't buy it because it's so it, unclear because it, it it 
you know, 2010 is 27 years from 1983. So the trouble should have started in 2010. Well, and, like I know, said, I think there's a, I think there's a ramp up period. You know what I mean? Like there could be a window. It could, it could really be 27 years between uh, Audrey Parker. Uh, yeah. You know, I think Sarah, Lucy, whatever she is, but I mean, it can only be, uh, he makes it sound like he hasn't felt touch in like 10 years. I mean, yeah. The and and the fact that him. he's trained himself for sense, right. When she buys him the smelling stuff or I was like, this isn't like the behavior of somebody who's recently lost touch, you know, in the past like couple of years. Um, right. Versus like, you know, if he had not had touch most of his life, then he would like, I don't think he would have, I don't know. Just a lot of those like details don't coral don't connect with this timeline that they're constructing now. Yeah. They don't jibe. They don't yeah. jibe. No. And, uh, and we've run in it, run into it with everything. I mean, we got, we got the freaking merman, who, who in, in 1983, when the hell did they go to sea because they're playing around having marriages and faking deaths? And, <laughs> you know, uh, Jesus Christ. And, and like, when does it end? Does it end on like a pin drop the second, you know, Lucy or Sarah leaves and then wherever she goes, can, yeah, can come that. back. It's just so do they really only migrate for like, yeah, we because she was only there for 30 days, we found out, right? So the merman just like, migrate for like yeah we were actually only gone for like two weeks it wasn't that big a deal like yeah i mean you know i i barely got into the you know the the half of my plankton and it wasn't it couldn't even go anywhere interesting they probably just hung out for a week and they were like oh well, it looks like it's done uh, or imagine the shock when the troubles end and these guys just all drown because they're like uh, <laughs> they all, they all drowned out, out at sea <laughs> yeah like I, I was i was in a cave below the water and yeah. now yeah. i'm fucked yeah yeah yeah, so I don't know. The timeline is just really messy to me. You know, and it's one of those things, I think, though, like kind of as a casual viewer, you probably don't might not pay attention to some of those things. But, you know, when you're like uh, assessing it and providing, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, a commentary on it, commentary on it, you know, we're supposed to look at it closely and all of that. And right, 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 right. So. And, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm just a kid that picks at a scab, but like, for a group that has seven seasons of lore or whatever the fuck that final number, I think it was seven, right? For they all said these they se- have seven seasons of lore and they know the last scene of the entire series. Yeah. So to have seven seasons of lore and then the timeline to be just such a fucking mess. Uh, you see where I come with like my skepticism over yeah. that statement. I, I think it's fair. You know, I, <laughs> I try to give them the benefit of the doubt, but uh and, and in their defense, this episode, I think, does a lot right. Um, what was something interesting from the commentary was that uh, at the end, let's you know, um, in the conclusion, you know, Nathan rushes into the boat, right? And, you know, they end their confrontation. Then it pulls out, you know, and then he points the gun at him and then it pulls out and then we hear the gunshot, right? That originally what Eric Balfour reveals actually is that the gunshot wasn't originally in the script, that it was just pulling away and it was going to end like that of them facing off and you don't know what's going to happen with no implied gunshot at all. And then somebody after the fact in post then was like, hey, it would be one of the producers, like, it'd be cool if we added a gunshot. Like, so it's implied so one of them's dead. Yeah. Which I actually think is a great decision. Um, uh, what was I going to say? I, be, I was, I was going to ask you a question if you thought, uh, so I thought it was a great decision on the fly to kind of add that in there. I think it would be a little bit too dry. I think it would be too dry of an ending with them just ending like facing off because your natural inclination would be like, yeah, they're not going to shoot each other. Like I'm not yeah. actually worried about one of them murdering each other. Uh, so, but so, adding the gunshot makes you like, you know, it's at the point where you're like, yeah, they're not going to shoot. Oh, somebody did shoot, you know? 
mm-hmm. in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, somebody probably somebody else shot or they shot at the ceiling or near each other. But, you know, there is the question of like, oh, what if one of them did kill the other? Well, well funny you ask me about what, you know, the shot, because uh, in uh, our April Patreon episode, I tell you what I think happened with that shot and what happened with Duke and Nathan after that night. As did I, as as did I in that Patreon episode, which you guys can check out. That sounds interesting. You know, it, <laughs> I, I I would join Patreon just to listen to that. But you know, that's me. You know, I I, do, I can't get enough Haven content. Aren't you creating a bunch King. of uh, fake Patreon accounts and you know donating money to us just to make it look like we have millions yeah, I, of dollars? I, yeah, basically my my retirement. <laughs> so uh, guys, you need to get hot on this because I can only sustain this for so long. But. You're just trying to clean your money, like uh, you're using Patreon to funnel, yeah, to funnel your dirty money into. Just like uh, what was well, the friend or foe? At? Cornell, right? Like Cornell. Yeah, yeah. Cornell. And uh, yeah, actually, I'm a silent partner with Dave uh, Teague. And uh, so. okay, so at the end though, um, I did have another question. Was do you think? Did you think this is a? a backdoor in this, I'll say this, like a release, a, a release mechanism that if they needed to get rid of Eric Balfour, that this could be a way out for them because, you know, Skyline had come out uh, like uh, in between season one and two, you know, what if Skyline had been a major success, his film career would be launching. Oh, not if anyone watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, that's why I use the word. If, if, if Skyline had been super successful, you know, they need a way out for Eric Balfour uh, so he can get into, uh, you know, because then if his film career launched, then he you know wouldn't have time for Haven because it's, it's all the way up in Nova Scotia. Right. He needs right. to be in Hollywood for movies. Uh, so I wonder if this was like a, originally planned as like an emergency situation of like, yeah, we can use this to get rid of Eric if we need if he needs to go, uh, you know like as a as a as a but then again we've also heard Ernst say he doesn't like like plan b's but this would be setting up a plan b if you need to get rid of him you could get rid of him here did they mention anything about that in the commentary that i missed what do you mean about like do, doing this uh, as a backdoor because i didn't recall no 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 okay. i'm i'm yeah. just i'm just like suggesting this as an idea of like uh could this be you know there's i feel like there's always like parts um like uh there's always things you kind of add where you're like oh i can kind of get rid of you know uh here's a re- here's the thing we can do you know uh i'm trying to think of a character oh you know like but was his name bobby in supernatural they're kind of like oh yeah bobby yeah. bobby right like if a- they're like bobby's gonna go help uh this family for a while doesn't he move in or help somebody at some before he dies like he goes and does something so it's like a way to kind of write him away for a while. So he's off doing something else. Uh, you know, they put it in there in case they need it, but they can always bring him back, right? This would be like a, we wrote it there in case we need to get rid of him, but uh, it's a more permanent measure than that. I, I mean, I, I'd be honest with you. I didn't even think of that, but, you know, because I, I was just wrapping my head on, okay, we you know, we kind of got three cliffhangers here. Yeah. Audrey's taste, you know, and uh, all right. Who the hell tastes Audrey? Boom. Is Duke the one who tased Audrey? What? Do you Ooh. really think Duke's the one that tased Audrey, though? Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, no. it doesn't really, even you know, nothing about it adds up that, to him be, it being dude, him. Dude, that's such a plant. I mean, it's, uh, oh, <laughs> I would leave this very personal and, uh, you know, cherished uh, necklace behind after tasing her. Yeah, well, they the don't know that she was tased. They don't know if they were, she yeah. was tased. They it's the equivalent of sprinkling crack on a body, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. So, I mean, and I, and I can understand Nathan kind of rushing in, you know, being kind of hot about it. You know, he's just finally, you know, following through on his feelings and now someone's going to take her away. Damn you. I will not allow it. So, yeah. I mean, did you think he was a bit over the top there at the end? A little bit, a little bit. I, I thought it was a little much. Um, I, I mean, I get, I I'm cool with the energy of like, I'm not going to fucking listen to you, Duke. I don't give a fuck. Like, but the way Duke was trying to appeal to him, the way he was doing it, like, like, like immediately jumping to pulling a gun. Like, can you imagine if it actually happened where Duke or Nathan just fucking shot him in the face right there? You'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, now you're not going to get any answers. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, it, it, it was a it was a bit over the top. And but. Duke, there's no way Duke could get his gun on Nathan. Like Nathan's got it like again, you know, up to his nose and Duke's got to pull it out of the whole, you know, out of the thing, rip it off the table, pull it out, point, aim it and not get shot while he does it. Duke's fucked. <laughs> oh, that gives me a good idea. So for for something later. But uh, yeah, it was it, but, you know, we have our three. It's just great. I did not actually think about the back door in case uh, in case Eric started getting Eric like like we're buddies, you know, like, <laughs> hey, well, let me just let me just text Eric and see if that if yeah. he knows if that's real. Yeah, I'll talk to him on our surfing, our weekly surfing uh, hangouts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe when you guys light a bonfire on the beach, pull out the guitar, do play some, uh, you know, doobies. tracks of Fredalba, you know, doobies yeah. for Fredalba. <laughs> Yeah, if you guys don't know, I'm the replacement. Uh, is it a violinist? Oh no, no, the flautist. flautist. Yeah, flautist. that's right. I'm the I'm the I'm the fill-in flautist, actually. Yeah, that'll be uh, on the upcoming. Uh, well, I think uh, Born as Ghosts is the the their last yeah, incarnation of it. So I don't know what it would be in the future, but. Oh yeah, I don't know. Um, but uh, I don't know if it would work as a back way. You know, a back door exit for Eric because it'd be pretty crazy for Nathan to just fucking like blast him in the head uh right there it'd be like okay I don't know if Nathan's redeemable unless he was being like mind controlled or something or, like the tattoo controlled him into doing it or something um something well like uh, yeah yeah and uh but, you know with that tattoo I know uh Ernst says you know makes makes notice of and points out uh, notice how fresh the tattoo is and well, it's like, yeah, we know because he never had a fucking tattoo. It's not like, how did I not notice this after two seasons? It's like, of course it's fresh. <laughs> wow. Did he have his sleeves rolled down the whole time? Because <laughs> yeah. I swear I saw him in T-shirts before. Well, uh, you know, he went to college. He was uh, getting rowdy, blackout drunk, woke up with a tattoo and tries to cover it up. He puts makeup on it. You know, he doesn't want to look unprofessional at work. He didn't want the chief to find out about his tattoo. Oh yeah, maybe for spring break he <laughs> he went to the Glendower compound for spring break and he passed out, woke up with a maze tattoo, and he's been covering it up ever since. Speaking of which, Dunn used the "I went to college" line in the commentary. That must be a go-to line for him as a writer. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, just as a human, uh, because they were talking about the weed that uh, they couldn't show Kyle actually smoking the joint, um, and so you know they had to just kind of show him holding it and then toss it. Uh, and then he's like, and then Ernst says something and Dunn's like, yeah, I know about it. I went to college, like yeah. implying the weed, but I was also like, Hey, it's the line you used for Nathan way back in the day. That terrible line. Yeah. That was, uh, that was in a butterfly. Yeah. No, right? that was no. in harmony. Oh, they're at the mental asylum. 
So uh, I was going to ask you if you uh, did you buy Audrey seeing the paint on Kyle's uh, wife, Marissa's hands. But I went back when I was doing the commentaries and looked and I was like, yeah, there's the red paint. There is red paint on them. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I missed it the first time. So, Uh, yeah, I I think especially because they make everything else such cool colored. uh, I think it it stands out Uh, uh, because the cool colors Audrey and Nathan are wearing like just total blue. They look like they're in blue jumpsuits for like half this episode. Uh, Duke's blue is a little lighter, but they're wearing like the same color blue on the jeans and the top. Like I feel like so just not a, not a great look, not, not nice. The, the blocking, you know, the color blocking there. Are, are those Audrey's butt jeans you're referencing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, ah, oh, come on, Eric. Like we were done with this. Well, Eric's an ass man. It is clear to me. Uh, <laughs> so in the commentary, uh, you know, they're kind of talking about scenes. And then uh, Audrey, I think, mentions like, oh, yeah, this is like a good jeans. Because Eric Balfour just keeps mentioning how this is a good hair days, this type of hair days going on about his hair. Oh, yeah. Er- Eric digs his hair. Yeah. Eric digs Eric. And uh, Audrey, you know, kind of like you know poking fun at him but also you know just saying she's like yeah this is a good jeans day for me and he was like yeah this one you know made you like your uh what was the word he used did he say bum again yeah he says bum again and emily uh calls him her butt jeans yeah so yeah so he uh, apparently you know now that we've heard sean pillar without eric balfour and he was pretty like you know on topic focused on you know his (laughs) his uh commentary now we see where the you know how that commentary got corrupted from uh, <laughs> the trial of Audrey yeah. Parker. Why yeah. that, why that commentary got so nuts. Eric is, it's a card because Lucas Bryant, should be dealt with <laughs> Lucas Bryant. He's pretty, he makes jokes, but he's actually the one I thought was more leading the commentary. Yeah. Especially like with like the serious, like Emily was a little more loose this time. And I felt like Lucas, while he was making a ton of jokes, he was still trying to kind of dig deeper into scenes and stuff and like bring up serious discussions, yeah. which I, I, which I really appreciated like a good balance. Right. But yeah, he was trying to, but it, you know, the other two were pretty much going, you know, having fun. I mean, yeah, especially, like, especially yeah. Eric, I would say Emily was like, I would say Emily was like, I don't know, 50, 50 Lucas is like 60, 40. And <laughs> <laughs> Eric's probably like 2080 yeah, on seri- serious to comedic. Uh, like the scene where he's like, oh, you know, like Eric, you know, talk to us about this scene, you know, outside the house where you're talking to the Rev, right? Like, tell us about that. Like, you know, like this or that. And Emily's like, yeah, yeah. And Luke, Eric's like, well, I thought that was pretty uh, obvious what's going on there. And it's kind of like over. And Luke's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, why is the scene? You guys can't tell from the scene. And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. They're like, anyway, <laughs> let's just move on. And he's like, yeah, I thought it was pretty obvious. I guess not. I guess, I don't know. And he just kind of still, it seemed like he was still thinking about it after they were like, ah, let's back out of this. Never mind. Never mind, Eric. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. Moving along. And uh, yeah, that was pretty, that was pretty funny. Well, one thing I want to, I really loved the battle between the brothers. I mean, kind of last week was Dave firing his shot, you know, right? Where he's like, oh, uh, I'll look up uh, the box for you, Duke. Oh, you can have your meeting of the trouble at our office. And then this week, you know, uh, Vince, you know, he's like, screw you. I'm giving her all the information and I'm going <laughs> to help her. And you're not going to get in my way this time. So, so I, I, I really, I really dig that. Now, now speaking of the, the Teagues, 
what do you think the deal is with that photograph of Dave with Sarah and, and then a wedding ring? What? <laughs> I thought you were saying, what's up with that fish? Uh, hey, <laughs> do you think he really caught it or do you think he bought it? <laughs> Dave's uh, bought, bought that yeah. fish kind of guy. He bought that yeah. fish at Target. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and whatever they had back in, uh, you know, if it was before 83, that would have been the mid 50s, late 50s. Target Junior then. Uh, or target kids uh he, he brought it he bought it at woolworths or you know an old walgreens or something we got a little bit of an update we got a little bit extra information from the twitter story which they brought up in the commentary um but it's still really murky to me i it seems like one of the brothers was with sarah and then the other one you know like you know like stole her from the other one is kind of the impression i got from the twitter story uh, and this one seems like Dave was the one that uh, was with Sarah, right? Yeah, that's what that, that's that's how it appeared. That's how they made it kind of look. I you know they're hinting at. It. I don't know if that's accurate. Yeah, um, yeah, just a lot of mystery around those guys. I feel like even when they reveal information, it's like I still have like I got ten more questions yeah. from your one answer. It's like oh, uh, well, here's the ring. I'm like okay, like. <laughs> All right. What so the fuck one, now? One of you was married to Sarah. Okay. Probably Dave. But then, like you said, the Twitter story. It, like, our, know, she, yeah. And past implications made it seem like one of, you know, that they both were in love with the same girl. Uh, yeah. And it was Dave's greatest fear, remember, from the fear episode? Right. As he saw exactly. Sarah again, even though we didn't know her name at the time. Yeah, so it's just it's, it's really interesting, and I think it'll uh, you know I, I I hope we hear more you know more about that in season three that and, yeah. I, and I think we do if I I don't really recall a lot of specifics going forward, but uh, yeah, um, with Vince and Dave, I thought the commentary brought up something very interesting that I never considered. That now I'm like, hmm, uh, which is that in a way the way they keep secrets from us and are almost like, I don't know, these like storytellers, does it like, I, I kind of now like wonder if they're like almost like proxies for Ernst and Dunn in a way that, you know, Stephen King kind of writes proxies for himself into stories. I think it's interesting that I now wonder, I think of Vincent Dave as their, presence in the story is these guys who have all the secrets and the answers vince and dave have the seven seasons of lore you know like hidden away and decide when to give us like bits and bobs and the way they try to comedically play off each other uh maybe one's more serious than the other they oppose each other sometimes work together sometimes um so i like to think of them as vincent i'm sorry ernst and dunn's stand-ins i think dunn's dave yeah uh ernst looks taller <laughs> yeah and uh well dave tries to be the comedic one so yeah that i that, think that fits for done done so i i think you i think you got it uh, i i see uh, you know that i i do recall them mentioning that and uh i think that was pretty cool yeah so yeah yeah i just thought it was like an interesting uh way i don't think i've i don't think i've ever really written a stand-in for myself into anything i write i mean um, there's like certain characters that are closer to me, but I've never written one where I'm like, yeah, it's kind of me in the story, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like yeah. my presence, like in here. Yeah. There's some authors who write themselves into their material and, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Well, I mean, funny enough, I think what well, your favorite novelist, Stephen King, has done it. He and has my, done it. My favorite comic book writer, they have done it. Uh, Grant Morrison has written themselves into uh, comics, like literally. Yeah. So, I, you know, at first, it, you know, it horrified me. And uh, but then it came out OK. I still would rather have it had not happened. But, you know, it it ended up working. So I guess I should just have faith. But and yeah. we'll see how this one obviously turns out and really how much water this holds, because they stop being showrunners after season three. So, you know, the idea doesn't really last beyond that, really, because the people in charge, you know what I mean? They're not going to be stand-ins for the new because I think uh, Gabriel Stanton takes over at least season five. I'm not sure if she's the showrunner in season four. Yeah, I, I haven't really looked looked into that yet. I've been kind of just taking it a season at a time. And uh, I haven't even cheated and looked at uh, any of season three yet, outside of seeing it in the past, obviously. But I really like the conversation between uh, Duke and Audrey at the cemetery when Duke's basically asking her, you know, you know, you never basically saying, you know, how do you feel? You never really solve anything. You know, the troubles always return. People's always, people always die. And she's like, well, I have no alternative. And he's like, yeah, but what if you did? And I, cause I, I kind of liked how they built the case where it could seem plausible that Duke would take on his father's role. Uh, did you think so? You, you, you think they, I, I, I like the argument, like a, definitely a good argument. I don't think we've built Duke correctly to be the one to make that argument um because is he really you know uh, how sympathetic is he to this town to these people right like how much does he actually care about them and their pain and their trouble right in season one we've been playing the game of duke plays for duke you know what i mean duke is on team duke like something we've said multiple times right, right. And, and the writers acknowledge right that a lot of his actions are down to uh selfishness or self-centered uh motivation so i think him being like wait i could stop all this trouble and all this pain doesn't really jive to me with duke as a character i know what they're trying to do is they're trying to use the death of evie as the catalyst for this change but that still doesn't satisfy me on that level of motivation because it's still like he's not mad at the chaos at uh, he's not mad at the death of an innocent. I think he's mad at the death of somebody close to him, right? Like he hasn't really been affected by anyone else's death. He hasn't really like been like, ah, you know, he hasn't been like in grief because other people have randomly died. He only cared that somebody within his sphere died. Uh, so I, to me, to me, I think his motivation needs to come more from like self-benefit or the work needs to, I, I like, the atrocities he sees to realize he needs to care more about other people need to be uh, more fleshed out for me. Like, once again, I love the argument, but I feel mm -hmm. like there was a bit of a shortcut taken to get Duke to be the character to have this position in the situation. Personally. Yeah, no, no, I, I see what you mean there. Like, I don't think he would be swayed and right personally at, at this point myself so like I'm, i could I, yeah like i could see a character like nathan maybe coming i know it sounds like harsh but i could see nathan you know who's more um you know he's he is he does care about this town i could see somebody you know right the the road to what is it road to damnation or whatever is paved with good oh intention. the road the road to hell is paved with good intention yeah, yeah. right is like paved with good intention i could see someone like nathan who's like i 
need to save this town because uh, he has a lot of motivation built up to be the one to do that. I could see somebody who has that motivation, you know, you know, being like uh, <laughs> lack of a better example is like Darth Vader, right? Like as Anakin, he wants to save someone he loves and it, you know, causes him to <laughs> murder children. Uh, and I think in the same way where maybe that's not built up correctly either. Uh, it's kind of like, I think what I'm trying to say, but Nathan would be somebody who wants to save the town is willing to, is like, I need to cut, I have no alternative. My back's against the wall. I need to cut this corner to save the majority of people. Whereas like Duke, I just don't really see what he's getting out of trying to save Haven. Cause he doesn't even want to be there. Right. Like he doesn't, his dad forced him on his deathbed to come back when, when he was six. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a lot of weight to put on a child. Uh, <laughs> Duke, get a fruit roll up and come over here. <laughs> Got to talk to you. Pause. He man, uh, come over here. Yeah. I need you to commit to, uh, multiple counts of murder and conspiracy, please. And, uh, here's a throwing star. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to throw it away from you. Yeah. Not towards you, away. <laughs> yeah, I just can't imagine also Simon throwing the fucking throwing star as a way of killing people. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. like, imagine him. He's like outside the Haven Herald. It's night, and Vince steps out, and <laughs> see ya. And a fucking star lands right near his face. Uh, yeah. The other thing, also with like you know Simon's appeal to Duke is like. Oh, you know, are there are there people that you know that have been hurt by the troubled, right? That like you could have prevented. Uh, Evie was shot by a normal person on the Rev side in a fucking exactly. conspiracy. The Rev, like orchestrated. Like I was yeah. like, no, like once again, no. Like your motivation doesn't make sense. Like I understand that the situation pop- popped up because troubled people were around, but it's also like saying that's like if you were to blame like the Jewish people for existing, like right. for Hitler's actions, right? The, like, the Holocaust was your fault. Yeah. That's like yeah. basically what Simon is like, look, dude, if the Jewish people weren't Jewish, they wouldn't have been, you know, taken to constant, or if the Japanese people weren't Japanese, they wouldn't have been taken to internment camps in the United States. Right. That's like the position he's basically taking and being like, well, don't you want to prevent that? And it's like, yeah, no, how about you guys stop being psychotic, murderous assholes? Like, you know, yeah. uh, and we it's, try to like help the troubled people, but I guess that's also a giant societal question, right? Instead of uh, hurting people who are different, why don't we try to, you know, heal and understand? But uh, yeah, there's none of that in Haven. Uh, yeah, the rest fresh out of forgiveness. Yeah, there's not much of that really on Earth uh, historically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was... Uh, so I guess really it does make a lot of sense. You know, but kind of speaking of the Rev, dude, what do you think about that plan at the at the house? <laughs> Which plan? Kind of like the shed with all the bodies oh, yeah. and... <laughs> yeah, speaking of Holocaust, uh, that's pretty like, uh, not a gas chamber, but uh, an oven, I guess, an, an equivalent. Which is pretty like, and they mentioned the commentary that I, I I actually agreed with them a lot where they're like, yeah, if we had introduced this like sooner, this would have been too dark. But I, they thought they had built up properly to doing something like this. Um, I thought the rechloroforming somebody was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, it's like they woke up from chloroform and he had to do it again, uh, and just kind of like tapped their mouth with the napkin, like oh, and passed out again. Hey, where am I? What's going? <laughs> That almost sounds like Will Ferrell's Harry Carey. 
Yeah. <laughs> if the moon was made of cheese, would you take a bite? <laughs> uh, I. <laughs> Pretty pretty dark plan from the Rev, but yeah, I yeah. like it because I think that's where that's where he's you know that's where he's going. He's going to like total extermination, total annihilation. And I also think these ghosts are more malicious than uh, their living versions were. Right, like that dude, like they kind of been leading people to doing some pretty dark shit. Yeah. So, well, uh, I mean, and you look at it from the Rev's, Rev's perspective, he's like, uh, fuck it, kill them all. I'm already dead. What can they do to me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to hell. I'm, you know, here in the, on Earth still. But who knows? Uh, yeah. Isn't that interesting that no, none of the dead said, hey, here's what happened to me? Uh, you know, well, then again, because like every single one of them had a score to settle, it looks like. But that would, you know, you would think that's number one question is like, what happened to you? Uh, but, you know. Just like Nathan, when he didn't ask Duke about that list he found in the church. <laughs> okay. Uh, Audrey, Audrey says I got to give it back. Same thing. He doesn't ask uh, his dad, like, hey, what happened? You know? Yeah, his dad's like, a, you know, the afterlife's just like a giant uh, McDonald's playpen. And it's filthy, filled with germs. <laughs> Kids are shitting in corners, and, you know. Yeah, it's... <laughs> okay, maybe that might be... A yeah, that extreme. sounds like hell. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I don't know about... The, the Rev's plan, pretty cool, pretty dark. So, it, it, and and Dunn was asking that question of, like, which Ernst really was like, I'm not about to start having this conversation with you, which I thought was, like, interesting, because I always imagine, you know, from the way they talk... It always feels like Dunn's the more lighthearted one. Ernst is the more cerebral one of the two. Uh, but this time it was inverse where Dunn was like, oh, you know, are these ghosts really here or are they just a kind of byproduct of this guy? Like, are they the real representation of these people or are they like shades or are they brought on by, you know, your mental image of like the way they should be or something like that? And Ernst is like, yeah, this is that's too that's too much. I'm not going to have that conversation. Like I'm backing out pass, you know. Yeah, the original draft, we actually had the Ghostbusters come clean things up a little later. <laughs> but I thought Dunn asked a really interesting question. It's like, can you trust the, these ghosts' messages and the way, you know, like, how do we know? Are they are they more malicious? What do we know, you know, can we really, some of them have scores, to, a lot of them have scores to settle. Can we trust what the Chief and Simon's ghosts are saying, considering, you know, are they leading them down a darker path than they're meant to be, considering all the other ghosts are leading da- people down really like malicious path because i think the rev would kill people i don't know if he was cooking up a fucking you know like holocaust barn oven yeah you know, you know and, creating his own auschwitz and shit like yeah. what if they talk to the real rev and he's like no like i was just gonna say we should like you know fucking just shoot him or something not like burn him alive like jesus christ guys like <laughs> what the fuck or like imprison them i had to kill the girl because she was gonna kill me yeah. Uh, so, so who knows? So that was an interesting question to me is like, are these ghosts really their ghosts? Or are they like kind of malicious shades? And is the chief's ghost giving him a, giving Nathan a genuine warning? Or is this something more deceptive? Is Simon corrupting Duke, you know, down a darker road? Yeah. I mean, the rest all of the ghosts have done that. I mean, all chief is telling them is you can't be in love with Audrey because you got to protect her because she's too important, which seems fairly consistent with uh kind of his character it was always about protecting the town right but what if love is you know what you know can save this town and this this evil ghost of chief is trying to deny that it's just a question i'm not taking the position i'm just playing uh 
Angel's Advocate here. Oh, yes. The return <laughs> of Angel's Advocate. I missed it almost as much as Joe Campbell. I mean, yeah. Uh, in the finale or in the final big confrontation scene, I did, I don't know, it's just a way to kind of keep the game going, you know what I mean? But oh, were you disappointed or happy with Duke not making the choice, right? He doesn't toss the knife down and he doesn't stab. Uh, what's the guy's name? Oh, uh, Kyle. I want to say Tyler for some reason, but I guess like constant. First time I heard it, I thought it was Cal. <laughs> I was like, Cal? You'd have a Cal uh, up there in uh, Sound like uh, Mark Jackson, the NBA commentator. Whenever he has to say Kyle, he always mm-hmm. says Cal. Cal Kuzma, Cal Korver. It's not Kyle. Anyway, I hate Mark Jackson, uh, just <laughs> on the record. Uh, we'll, we'll, cut, we'll cut that out. You know, he did go to St. John's, which is one of my favorite uh, bas- college basketball programs in the old days. Huh. I control the edits. Uh, mm-hmm. After the after the after the final song plays, it's just going to be that I hate Mark Jackson line. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so he doesn't make the active choice one way or the other to reject his legacy or accept it from Simon. He doesn't stab him. He doesn't throw the knife down. Uh, Kyle just runs onto the knife, which is kind of a cop out, right? They're kind of trying to like be like, oh. You know, because if you do it, then you have to commit one way or the other, right? Duke becomes a good guy or a bad guy, but they want to play the middle line of like, what's Duke going to do, you know? Yeah. Um, No, I I like it because, uh, you know, that that if if Duke stabs him, then we know, okay, season three, Duke's a bad guy. If Duke stabs him, you know, at the end, we're like, okay, Duke probably kidnapped Audrey, you know, uh, you know, tased Audrey and kidnapped her. So because once you go down that path, what the hell is to stop you from doing that? Well, I, I mean, I think there's also an alternative where he does stab him and then somebody else still kidnaps Audrey, which would lead, which I think would really, I mean, he'd also be in prison because they would have arrested him. But then I could see, I could even further justify Nathan running up and like putting the gun, you know, right to his face and being like, I'm going to fucking kill you because I know what you're capable of now. Uh, but then again, I also don't think Nathan would have let duke really walk away you know <laughs> like i don't know if he would have killed him but i don't know what he would have done if duke had uh, chosen the bad path there oh uh, it was you know he tripped and fell on the knife you know and that's what would go into the file you know the, the regular file and then the uh, the troubled file would obviously have more yeah i i i'm just a fan of like have the characters make a choice i don't like when choices are taken out of their hands like that because uh, it robs us of the drama of it right um and it's playing it's playing the long game and i've said my position before of put your foot to the pedal let's fucking go you know 100 miles per hour let's have duke make a decision because decisions choices is storytelling right storytelling is through storytelling doesn't happen unless characters make choices and that I always hate when a choice is stolen from a character, like unless it's done poetic. Like I think, even though I don't really like in Gangs in New York, the whole movie's about Leonardo DiCaprio getting revenge on uh, what's that actor's name? Oh, uh, uh, Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, Daniel Day Lewis, right? The butcher. The and butcher. at the end, the butcher gets fucking shot by like a cannon or some shit, like before he can, you know. So his revenge is stolen. But it's not. It's it, it's just kind of dissatisfying to me. I, I think I see what they were going for. I just don't think. I don't think Gangs in New York is very good either. But Gangs yeah, in New York goes with good. Mark Jackson category. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Maybe they filmed it in New York when he was with the Knicks. I don't know. Uh, 
Uh, <laughs> I think his playing days were over by then, though, because that was yeah, 2002 is when I think Gangs of New York came out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure his playing days were over by then, but uh, yeah. Um, so I think it's a little dissatisfying not to get an answer one way or the other, but I understand why they did it. And it was still it was still good, but right, I kind of would have so, I would have preferred him. You know, I'd preferred he makes the decision to fucking stab him. Really? Mm. Well, because to yeah, ex- I, to yeah. accept his to accept his role as Duke Crocker trouble hunter, yeah. or a way to reject both sides, I think actually would be preferable. You know what? I take back what I'm saying. I'll retract my statement. I do not want him to stab the guy, but I wish he could figure out a way to say, I don't choose your side or your side. I choose my side because that's Duke Crocker, right? Is I don't play for the Sea Dogs or the Cutters. I play for Team Duke. Hi ho, Team Duke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We need a third baseball team, just him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, he could. He could just like take the knife and throw it in the dirt and just say, I don't want nothing to do with any of you and walk away. Yeah. And as he's, you know, packing up the ship or something, you know, Nathan's yeah. like, I know. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. I, I think that's more. And like I said, I think we've just got to, I think Duke's character is kind of the sticking point for me in this episode, the kind of messy part. Because Ernst brought up a great point too. Uh, and if you were like, if you thought this was interesting, where when Nathan was telling his story of, you know, Duke uh, took me fishing and tried to get better. Uh, finally, we get to it. Ernst uh, makes a point that like, yeah, we say Duke is like this all the time, but we've never really seen this on the show of Duke's really shitty behavior, right? Like of Duke's really selfish asshole kind of conny con man like betrayal willing to sacrifice anyone behavior hasn't really ever been displayed i think the most is when he tried to cut evie out of finding the box is like like betrayal like we've seen from him i i would agree with that i mean it's always been a lot of things have been alluded to or in the past and well, this was in the past too, but Nathan is bringing up a specific point. I mean, I really, you know, thought it was kind of cool to say that basically Duke was responsible for uh, triggering Nathan's trouble. I thought that was kind of kind of slick, and I could see that, you know, being what you know a significant reason why Nathan has his issues with Duke. But I mean, they beat on each other for an hour. Now I know how the fan fiction got started. <laughs> I mean, do you also believe Nathan would keep this like kind of a secret this whole time? Like this long? Audrey? I feel like that'd well, be one of the first things I would tell when they meet him in the pilot. Like, this is the motherfucker that gave me back my trouble. Yeah. This would be <laughs> the worst thing he's done so far to Nathan. So I would think, as especially as Nathan is, uh, you don't agree? No, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. So, uh, probably the worst thing he's done to Nathan so far. And I could think especially early on when Nathan's really trying to keep Audrey kind of away from Duke and warned off of Duke that he would have, he would have let this one out, you know, and told her about yeah. it. But, yeah. Uh, another question I have is when Duke and Nathan were beating on each other off, no, I'm just kidding, beating each other for an hour. <laughs> wouldn't some of Nathan's blood get on Duke's hands? If you're fighting for an hour, yeah, and wouldn't that activate his curse thing and give him super strength? And, Nathan, and obviously, Nathan seeing his eyes go like white and be like, "What the fuck?" 
And then next punch knocks Nathan, you know, his like head off <laughs> 40 feet in, in, into the water. Yeah. 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 So that was another question of like, well, don't you have a trouble too? I guess it's possible it hadn't reactivated yet. You know what I mean? That maybe Nathan was one of the earliest people to get his trouble back. It and, his, like... and his has to be triggered somehow. Uh... Well, a lot of them are triggered, right? But yeah, I guess maybe I mean, Duke's everyone been has to yet. be triggered. But I mean, how the hell do you trigger someone who, you know, he has to kill someone to be triggered? Maybe finding the box. I'm not sure what would trigger Duke's, but I, I guess I could buy that it wasn't triggered at the time of the beating. Well, I think Duke would rather have what the Lonely Island puts in the box. So <laughs> um, <laughs> if it was his own, uh, if it was his own, yeah. In the commentary, he's very, like I said, Eric, Eric, Eric likes Eric. Best idea he ever had. And apparently, uh, Lucas Bryant's wife is in Eric as well. I was pretty tired when I listened to that part, so I think I might have missed it. It was a joke. He was uh, when Eric Balfour shows up on screen, you know, topless, and everyone's like, oh, you know, and uh, Lucas is talking about his wife, and he's like, yeah, she's a big fan of Eric, but uh, let's not talk about that right now, which I think yeah. is a joke, but it's pretty yeah. funny. Or that his daughter was there when uh, his daughter was there when the final scene was being shot. So they did a cut. They did a take where he was screaming at Duke, and his daughter was like, "What's going on?" Why oh is yeah, she was asking her, "Why is my daddy yelling?" Yeah, yeah, which would be pretty funny. So he's got like hilarious things where his family's there, right? Like his dad was there when he was having the fight with the chief, <laughs> where they were nice. really like laying into each other at the station. And his dad was there on the sidelines, and then his daughter is here for this one. And I only took you into, like, boring call centers to uh, play in the cubicles. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Never took me to Nova Scotia. Yeah, New Scotland just wasn't in your in your path at that time, but, uh, you know, you never know what the future holds. Uh, the folks at Lunenburg, <laughs> you know, despite your massacring of their name, might <laughs> invite us up there, you know, give us keys to the city. Not after not after listening to this, they're like, uh, that would, that must be what uh, Ernst and Dunn are really, you know, angling for is keys to the city with how much they're just like, oh, beautiful, how beautiful, love it, Nova Scotia, amazing. Because I'm pretty sure they get a kickback from the tourism board uh, yeah. for every time they mention how good Nova Scotia looks on the commentary. Yeah, so since we've messed up our relation with Lunenburg, we might have to start <laughs> focusing on Chester. Yeah, so, let's, yeah, let's try to get in with Chester. Uh, We're pro-Chester, all <laughs> the way Chester, you know, and I mean, when we need to party, we go to Halifax. But, you know, just to Halifax, man, just to Halifax. While we're discussing the final fight, uh, in the commentary for Ernst and Dunn's commentary, they had uh, one of Dunn's lines. I know what he was trying to say, but it just the phrasing was so weird. Uh, when he's kind of summing up uh, this this fight between Duke and Nathan and everything that it represents, you know, and the, the differences they have. And one of the things he says is, you know, it's about this. It's about that. It's about their girl that they share between them. And I was like, I, Ooh. I was like, uh, like, uh, <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know about a girl that they share between them. <laughs> so, so they were they were writing a thruple. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a love triangle. Uh, he heavy emphasis on the love. Uh, yeah, I was like, I don't know about that phrasing, Ernst. Like, I get what you're saying, but I also never really get the vibe. I don't know. I just don't really get the Duke Audrey vibe. You know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's in season two at all. I mean, yeah. I, I know, uh, spoiler alert, I know there's something in the future, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think they've built the type of chemistry to even remotely make like they're it just, that yeah, romantic. Yeah, very good friends at the moment. Um, I don't really see him being a competition for her affections like that. No, I, I'm with you. They haven't they haven't established that yet at all. No. Yeah. Do you have any points you want to do? No, I've covered Wait, it. Are you out? Okay, I'm not done yet, but <coughs> excuse me. Uh, but yeah, to conclude on Duke's whole thing, I think there's just a lot of angles and stuff that we don't get to see, or like, like I said, Simon's timeline's messed up. Uh, Duke, we haven't seen that display of like uh, we that weaselly behavior that Nathan's always referring to. We haven't seen that really on screen yet. So I think it's kind of hard sometimes when we're always going to want like Duke's such a dirtbag. Duke's a dick, you know, but for the most part, he helps out our heroes all the time. Um, he usually is making the right decisions, right? That's kind of why, you know, we, I think, don't want Duke to choose the bad decision at the end of this episode is because, and we want to believe him when Nathan breaks in because he hasn't, you know, what he, what, you know, what is being done and what's being said are two different things. Duke isn't really doing terrible things like oh my god i smuggled some items well that's not really like a crime i think like unless you're smuggling like people but like well he was willing to pull out a shotgun and blow someone's head right off now granted yeah defense to to an extent the guy wasn't killing him at gonna kill him at that moment but the guy had locked him in a ship uh yeah i i i could see yes heavy heavy handed (laughs) yeah but uh Duke's probably been in some conflicts where it's, you know, these guys are criminals. It's not like, you know, they're clearly going to do something illegal and you have to be naive to think that these people are going to let you out alive. You know what I mean? If they've taken you hostage like this, I think in any situation where you're taken hostage, I would never be under the assumption that they are going to let me walk away out of this. Like the yeah. second you're in, it's like, well, like they're dead or I'm dead or the police, you know, or like some other, like no variable really ends with like them letting me walk away. So if he gets a chance to fucking take their head off, you take their head off. You take the head off the snake. <laughs> you remove the head. That's like what you signed up for. So I, I, I don't think um, Duke has really, I think, earned that title of like total like weasel shit bag that like Nathan, that this image they try to give him. Uh, and that's why at the end, it's not believable that he, I think, would stab this, would make the the evil choice, right? Uh, yeah, I end. don't. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think he would at, at all. So. Whereas I think they need to reinforce. I think they needed to reinforce the the idea that yeah, he might like maybe. Uh, when I don't think they did quite enough. I think they made us too sympathetic to him, when they needed to kind of dirty him up a bit, you know. Once again, though, who knows what sci-fi is allowing with these producers or that producer, right? There's a lot of, you know, hands in the cookie jar. So maybe there's a lot of people saying like, no, we want Eric Balfour, you know, he's really sexy and charismatic. So we don't want you to like, you know, we don't want to make him like that slimy, right? There's always like those considerations. We want to make Duke action figures, you know? Well, you know, to (laughs) take a, you know, take a part out of consumed, you know, uh, there were uh, too many chefs in the kitchen. Right. I like, uh, have you seen the movie Passengers? I can't remember his name. Have you seen the movie Passengers with Chris Pratt and uh, Jennifer Lawrence? I have not, even though you have been, uh, 
I was thinking about the one where they like like the parents like uh, you know bound up the child abductor whatever and uh, oh prisoners prisoners yeah no 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 nothing alike at all <laughs> no okay so the movie oh, pa- pa- passengers where they fall in love and uh, over on the spaceship yeah have you seen passengers and, and it turns out he woke her he woke her up yeah so did you see passengers I, that means I did yeah okay well that's not too deep in the movie though. That's like halfway. Um, but apparently with Passengers, you know, the original script. Okay, so in the movie, spoilers for Passengers, anyone. Honestly, I'm doing you a fucking favor. Uh, movie pretty kind of sucks. You know, he he's on the spaceship. Jennifer Lawrence wakes, you know, he's all, all by himself. He gets lonely. So he wakes up Jennifer Lawrence after falling in love with her, reading through her journals. I'm like, this is sick. Uh, you're fucking fucked up, dude. Uh, <laughs> he wakes her up basically giving her a death sentence on the ship and then at the end you know when she finds out she freaks out they you know separate and at the end they have to save the ship uh they save the ship and at the end they fall back she forgives them they fall back in love live a life everybody else uh i think uh andy garcia has like a 10 second fucking like cameo he's like comes out of the pod and is like looking around they've lived a full life on the ship uh before everyone wakes up and died as old people as an old couple but i'm pretty what i've heard is in the original script the character is like actually like the bad guy you know what i mean he's the sicko i mean it's a pretty fucked up thing he does right he's he fucked her he fucking took her he removed her from her life that she was going to have and forced her to have one with him right uh so it's a pretty like sick decision to make but because it was a big hollywood movie and they knew they wanted chris pratt you know, like they'd already casted Chris Pratt, and, uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, and they knew, you know, we can't have Chris Pratt, Star Lord, uh, Cowboys versus Aliens, Andy Dwyer from Parks and Rec. We can't have this guy playing like a fucking dirtbag like this, a piece of shit like this. So we gotta, you know, we gotta shine, you know, shine the turd a bit. So then you're halfway between. <laughs> Sorry, you caught me off guard with the shine in the turd. So we're like halfway between. We're halfway between, you know, he's this like bad guy, but the movie's trying to portray him as this good guy rather than going one foot in either direction when it's like, yeah, you didn't earn him being a good guy, but you pushed out of making him the bad guy. Like, just fucking do it. And the movie should have been from her perspective, right? It should have been her waking up and him being like, oh, shit, your pod must have malfunctioned. And us, the audience realizing with her what he's done, right? I think that mm-hmm. would have made yeah. it better than us with him for 30 minutes and then him doing this abominable act and then us supposed to forgive him for what he sounds like well they're in love and it's like no he essentially murdered her like the the equivalent of murder like what are you talking about and he also gets Lawrence Fishburne killed through like this like this whole business as well uh yeah I mean it's the ultimate act of selfishness right I mean yeah that's uh hey you know what it reminds me of uh of a foreign film from uh, i want to say early 90s uh actually i think it was released in europe and spain was antonio banderas in a uh, tie me up tie me down and he basically kidnaps kidnaps a woman that he's effect that he that he <laughs> loves and uh, you know and basically holds her hostage till stockholm syndrome kicks in and she falls in Jesus love with him christ All right so but he's yeah, the bad guy, right? From the perspective of, like, I think they story, kind of right? change it. I think they kind of do the same damn thing. Yeah, but it's, it's been so long since yeah. I've seen it, I don't really recall. Well, but, listeners, but I do recall listeners, she starts falling in love with him. But yeah. yeah, listeners, if you 
Uh, also happens in the world is not enough. I think I think that's 99's Bond movie where uh, the scientist, the the one of the girls, the Bond girl, <laughs> ends up getting Stockholm syndrome and falling in love with uh, Robert Carlyle's villainous character. I can't remember his name. And then he has to team up with Denise Richards, the what is she an archaeologist named Christmas or some shit? What is it? Uh, McBain, the Scottish <laughs> sheriff, is that who, who is a uh... Was well, uh, I know I don't, no uh, I'm kidding that was a that was like a BBC show that Argyle was in where he was like uh, some sheriff McBain or something <laughs> Carlisle not Argyle <laughs> Carlisle did I say Argyle oh, <laughs> he has nice socks yeah uh, there's a character in the Fallout video game named Argyle uh, who I think of <laughs> uh, he was a butler a zombie butler anyway. Yeah, so I think uh, to tie to tie it all together, I think with Duke, it might be a situation like with Passengers, with Chris Pratt's character, or if that's how it went with the Antonio Banderas movie, similar, right? Where it's like, oh, we got this like sexy, charismatic lead. Like, we don't want to make Eric, uh, Antonio Banderas like this total fucking monster. So like, maybe she falls in. Maybe you know, they, it kind of works out. Or if that's how it goes, obviously, I don't. I haven't seen the movie. Yeah, like, so, like so I haven't seen it for a long, a, lo- a long time, and I forgot. Yeah, I got into a form film kick when you were like a toddler for a little bit. Oh, um, and, and you know, and for all we know, it could be Eric Balfour's agent as well, right? Being like, ah, eh, no, yeah, my yeah. character, you can't have my actor becoming a fucking murderer like that. Yeah, hey, you can't do that. You know, there's a good chance there'll be a skyline two, three, four. You know, a <laughs> franchise. You know, it's the next Avatar, right? Where the sequels are planned but never. Co- I mean, pretty crazy enough. Skyline got a sequel before Avatar. It did. It did. <laughs> Even though Avatar was one of the highest selling movies of all time, uh, Skyline beat him. I mean, shit. How many Purge movies are there? How many? How many Paranormal Activities were there? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna admit a, a sad fact that I like the Purge movies. Uh, I mean, I don't think know. that's a sad fact. People like Purge exactly. movies; they're fine. I, I mean, it's fun. I, I do. I find the cop concept is one of the most horrific things I could ever imagine. Yes, yes. That's and, what uh, makes it so interesting, though. But that is what makes it interesting because I I see it as total fantasy. If I thought there was any potential chance of that happening in reality, I'd have to shut it down. But. Uh. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of just my. I have a lot of uh, once again a lot of questions. Um, I wonder if more episodes would help or less less of these like fillery stories. But we, I'm gonna save that conversation because we want to do an episode uh, after we do our Christmas special. We're gonna do a kind of season two recap because last time we kind of tried to split all this stuff as extra segments, and the episodes went pretty long. So we're gonna do a season two recap. Obviously not. I see your face. Not, not like we're going to like summarize the episodes, just like a discussion of the season overall. Oh no, no. I, I was trying, I was trying to remember if we were going to do the special features too in that one. Yes. So that'll be a bigger discussion on what we thought of season two overall as a whole and the special features on the season two Blu-ray after our next episode, which is the Christmas special. Um, so listeners, that means you got two more episodes from us. So, you know, you want to start sending us some questions now and interacting with us while you have time before the season break. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, if we could just find Christmas matchmaker or whatever the fuck it's called for the Christmas episode, man. Fuck, I just can't find it no matter whatever illegal sites I even look for. I can't find that fucking episode, that I wonder, TV movie. I wonder if I go to the library. Dude, I'm telling you, physical copies do not exist of that movie. There are, I'm telling you, there are no DVDs of that movie. 
I'm telling you, uh, Lifetime has buried this movie completely. Can we email Lifetime and ask him if we can get a copy or you know a link? Yeah, maybe I'll try it. <laughs> Just to um, tell him that you know we we're covering we do a you know we're a podcast covering uh, the actors involved, and we would love to do and, and give and give a plug for Lifetime because uh, we've only said sterling things about them yeah. in our podcast. Yeah, well, tr- I'll try that. I'll try emailing them. Um, yeah, so that's what's coming up in the future. Uh, last thing I kind of wanted to explain from the commentary was, uh, I'm not sure if you, how much you were paying attention to when Emily was talking about this, but the second time they were at the graveyard or the cemetery, uh, she was talking about the fake like headstone that they were looking at. She was saying it was like rubber foam or whatever. Yeah. That she had her phone under her phone and her sides. So I was going to explain, do you know what sides are? No, I, I I was like in like potato salad, French fries. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, sides is a pretty, it's a very, uh, it's very, it's a film jargon term. So I thought I'd explain it here just in case anyone's listening to the commentary. It's like, what the fuck are sides? Uh, so sides are, so, you know, when, on shoot days, you have something called the call sheets. I'm sure a bunch of different industries have call sheets. It's just a sheet with all the information basically you need for the day. It's uh you know, it's the time you're supposed to be there. It's what the weather is going to look like. It's what scenes you're doing, what actors are going to be there, what time of day, you know, that these scenes are supposed to be taking place. How long are these scenes, et cetera, et cetera, other stunts, props, this and that. And then it's got like everybody's names and their roles on the, on you know, at the bottom of it. And so what a sides is, is a size is a little mini piece of paper. It's about a third of your typical eight by 11 paper. It's one third. It's sometimes it's either half or a third. It depends on who's doing them. I guess I typically see them to be half. So they're half. So it'd be eight by 5.5, I suppose, uh, papers. And you uh, you have your call sheet on the front and then the script with all the scenes, the script pages that you're actually shooting that day, a bunch of uh, a bunch of the scenes you're not doing are going to be X'd out on it. But it's a little like, tiny, you know, half page little packet that you can keep in your pocket so you can easily look at all the information you need for shooting that day. Oh, or, or keep under a fake uh, headstone. Right, right. Well, yeah, she can't keep it in her pocket because then we'd be like, her fucking sides are in her pocket. Uh, well, because she's wearing her her butt jeans. So right, uh, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, like one of the production assistants, the PA, is assigned that duty. So they'll come in with like typically a bucket with like extra walkie-talkie batteries and sides, uh, and then they'll be in charge of what you know at the beginning of the day at call time. They'll be walking around with a pack, a bundle offering every crew member they can possibly find sides so that everybody has the information. And these days, all of it's emailed to you anyway. So you usually have it on your phone, but people still like having the, you know, the tactile sides is nice to be able to pull up instead of having to go on your phone, go to the email, go to the PDF, you know, et cetera. See, I, I would buy if uh, the actors had cell phones in their pockets because they carry cell phones. Yeah. But it's one of those like you know things that they're but, like. But if yeah. you're wearing butt jeans and you're trying to highlight the butt jeans, you don't probably want a bulky phone in there, I guess. Well, know? also she has a prop phone, right? She has Audrey Parker's phone, not her own phone. Like her own phone has to be down there. She can't have because in scene, if we at all are seeing her holding a phone, you know, whatever phone they're using, like sometimes a BlackBerry, sometimes not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's been a consistently a BlackBerry. I think it's been consistent, consistently a BlackBerry for uh, her. This season. Yeah, the last season was like flip phones. This season, they went to Blackberries because you didn't think Nathan could handle it. Um. <laughs> I, I still don't. <laughs> I, I think Nathan uh, helped come up with the, the, the list. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so yeah, she can't have her real phone because what if we see the shape of it and we're like, that's not her fucking phone, you know? Like, so props gives her her fake phone. Yeah. So that was interesting. Yeah, I I did I did recall that. So uh, so that's what si- that's what uh, on set that's what sides are. Yeah, I didn't know what sides were and just assume I misheard it. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, I I still would rather have potato salad or you know, well, yeah, tater tots. Of course. You know? I mean, yeah, actual work shit or or even coleslaw. Sides. Yeah, you gotta take the sides every day. Creamy coleslaw, not necessarily the vinegar. I like the vinegar, but I got to be in the mood. In in the mood, not a mood. Oh, and last, we also heard from the commentary that it rained almost every fucking day they shot this show. Season this two. This season, yeah. And uh, if you really pay attention, where I really could spot the rain really easily was at the scene in the cemetery where they're talking outside the Bronco. If you look in, like, the ground, you can see there's, like, a puddle and water dripping, you know, hitting mm-hmm. the puddle and causing splashes and shit. I'll be honest. I didn't notice it till the commentary. And then at yeah. one point, I see I see on Eric Belfort's back. I can see where the water drops were hit. So <laughs> yeah. I could see like a wet spot at one point where I was like, "Oh yeah, there it is." Like, I, but I I definitely did not notice it my first time. It wasn't until right. well, and I had no idea that uh, you know basically you don't notice rain while filming until it's like they what do they say? Uh, it either say torrential. Has, it has to either be a ton or you have to light it. So, yeah, you have to kind of like when you see rain in movies and stuff, it's being hit with lights to highlight it. Uh, otherwise, if it's not being lit, yeah, a lot of the time you're not going to see rain because I've shot stuff where you can't see the rain in the background. Uh, and yeah. that's why there's a lot of that's why they do a lot of, you know, when you're doing rain, it's most of the time it's got to be fake. Right. Not mm-hmm. only can you not control when rain comes, but it's really hard to spawn cameras. So you have to be up there just fucking dumping water on mm-hmm. on the scene if you want to. So when you're watching movies and you're seeing rain, dude. That's a fucking bitch. And <laughs> shooting in rain scenes sucks. Uh, it is not fun. So in the commentary, also, uh, they mention that what happens after Audrey gets tased was shot. So they did have more to the ending, but they decided to leave it off and leave it as a mystery. But they do have whatever happens after that, they've got the scenes of. It's originally was supposed to be in this episode, but they left it off. And now we're going to get at the beginning of season three, I assume. I assume it's those same scenes. I assume they didn't shoot completely new material. I don't know, do you think that was like a satisfying spot to leave it off on? Or do you, would you want to see what happened? Uh, I mean, it would be great to see what happened, Just, to, but that kind of kills the cliffhanger. And, you know, that's kind of the recipe, especially TV shows during that time period, was to give you some cliffhangers. So if they if they showed us who took her who who or who was dragging her off, I mean... You know, I I mean, I guess as a fan, that'd be great, but it leaves me building the anticipation for season three, episode one. Who the hell has Audrey? And because, you know, you and and I both kind of said we don't think it's Duke and Duke had anything to do with it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it adds to the mystery of it being Duke, but I feel like they could still show. It depends on what it is, right? If it still has like an element of mystery to it, then then we... uh then I think it could fit, but also they're at their 42 minutes, you know, it's hard to kind of squeeze anything else in there. Well, and one, you know, one interesting thing that I saw, saw in the commentary was uh, they did address the pancakes. I guess pa- the pancake thing comes from uh, this fishing guide in Minnesota who raved about, was always raving about his pancakes. So, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm a man who believes in raving about pancakes. So whoever this guide is, I salute you. 
even though he's from Minnesota? I'll make an exception. <laughs> just uh, kidding, Minnesotans. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just from the other side of the Mississippi. We There can be peace. All right. Well, that is it for this episode. Like I said, we're going to do our Christmas episode. Then we're going to do a season two kind of recap, take a little break, and then we'll be back for season three, episode one. Uh, but you're going to cover more Secrets of Haven with us uh, in two weeks on that Monday. Uh, Trouble drops every other Monday, so make sure to tune in to Apple, Spotify, Google, places like that. If you want to reach us, you can reach us at troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, our handle is at Haven's Trouble. That's a capital H and a capital T. Uh, we've mentioned it many times. We're shameless about it, but uh, we are on Patreon. If you look up uh, Troubled a return to Haven or the link will be in the show notes. Uh, we have three tiers. The $1 tier is the Haven tourist that gets you uh, stuff like stuff, just stuff, lots of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the $1 tier gets you stuff like production documents, some nicknames, a fan shout out, everything like that. The $3 tier is the Haven resident. That'll get you the trouble with extra syrup. That is our side podcast series that comes out monthly. And then uh, if you pay $5, that's the Haven's Troubled tier where you will get access to the director's cuts and the Q&A possibility where if you want to, we can do a QA and a with you. Uh, That is it for me. I am once again, or for the first time, maybe since I didn't say it too well earlier, Alex French. And I am Rich French, and I want to echo Alex's thanks for your listening, and we look forward to you returning in two weeks to listen to listen with us again as we dive back into Haven. And everyone, please be safe, and most importantly, never let your troubles get you down. I hate Mark Jackson.